we had the pleasure of speaking to Darren Burgess a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was right at the end of the show, so we had so much more to chat about, unfortunately. Uh, we've, we've paid our penance, and we waited a couple of weeks, and we got him on again. G'day, Darren. G'day, guys. How are you going? Couldn't be better. Thank you again for joining us, mate. Um, uh, how are we finding ourselves uh, this time of year? I mean, you're at the Crows now. Um, they've fallen away a little bit in the last couple of weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's hard to know why. Uh, last couple of weeks haven't haven't been great. Um, probably weren't in much of a position to, to beat Essendon in Marvel, but we certainly were on the weekend and uh, couldn't get it done in the last quarter. So uh, that sort of put us behind the eight ball to make the eight. But um, we're still in there swinging. You never know. I've got a couple of tough games coming up this week and next week. So. We'll sort of know where we're at after that, I guess. Well, it's had nothing to do with fitness because uh, you've got them in pristine condition, I'm assuming. Uh, well, when the team only kicks one point in the last quarter, um, yeah, you certainly have to kind of ask questions. Uh, but I think, as you guys know, um, there's, there's more than one reason why different things happen. And often when you haven't got the ball, you're actually running harder. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't ideal on the weekend, put it that way. Darius was here. Um, just, I've had a question sort of circling around in my head for a while. <laughs> I hope it's okay. Um, if we look at sports science, and we, and we use an example of Mason Cox, who, who's a, he, who's come from another sport, uh, didn't grow up with this sport, like some say some of the Irish boys have grown up playing a similar thing, and the experiment with him has worked. Can we see? Are you looking at how much does that excite you? And are you looking around? maybe to find the next plugger or the next kuda or... Yeah, look, there's no doubt the, um, the athletic requirements of, of other sports transfer to our sport. Um, and I remember we actually trialled Mason Cox at Port Adelaide and, and you know, he, he was impressive in the way he moved for a person that size. We've got an Irishman at the Crows, Mark Keane, who's had a couple of years at Collingwood, but he moves as well as anybody for his size as well so certainly you you've always got your eye on the physical uh people who can transfer over physically and then you just have to be patient for the for the skill to develop but certainly uh, mason cox is a great example of someone who's who's got the foundations to be able to excel at our sport and he's certainly done that and and yeah from that can can we see a time where i mean yeah you develop a a footballer from basically from clay can we see a time that that happens i think so i think it's probably already happening you know in in terms of um you know someone like mason cox and and as you as we said the irish guys um it'd be very hard just to pluck somebody walking through the street and say you're tall you can probably play our game so they would need to have some athletic base uh and some foundations but if they have got that then there's no reason why particularly in some of the some of those positions where you know the the skill element isn't quite as um, demanding as a as an on baller. Um, that you know they they could be able to do a job and even excel given the right amount of time. And and what what is in your mind what is the perfect sort of football physique? Are we talking a a Nat Fife Paddy Cripps physique or is it just sort of horses for courses? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and. Um, uh, const- I'm constantly getting messages from our recruiters saying this guy looks like Fife or Cripps or, you know, any- I couldn't tell you there's a single uh, best physique. If you look at uh, Max Gorn versus, um, you know, Rory Laird versus 
uh, Travis Boak. They're all different um, physiques, all people that I've worked with. And uh, then there's Cozzy Pickett and Gavin Wanganine, and they're, they're completely different in terms of their physiques as well. So I don't think there's an ideal physique. I think probably 10 years ago we thought there was, and that was a Patrick Cripps type. But I think we're moving away from that now. Darren, just piggybacking off that question, um, when you get in uh, these sort of new draftees, for example, a Joshua Shelley, what are you sort of looking to refine with their fitness? Is it their speed? Is it their endurance or their strength? Is it something like that? Yeah, it's, it, look, it depends. Um, I, can, I can speak to, to Rochelle, um, uh directly, obviously. He had a fantastic base. The problem was he um, hadn't played a game because of COVID. So we kind of had to apply the all-round um, approach with him. Um, but certainly if a, if a player, we've got a really talented young player called Zach Taylor, who skill-wise is, is through the roof, but he had to work on his endurance and he's still doing that. So it depends on the player, uh, it depends on their attributes and, and um, yeah, and the program they came from, I guess. And Darren, I guess on that, a player with that skills and you're working on his endurance, how... How long do you think that um, can take, maybe specifically with him, but how long, you know, are the days still around where you need a couple of pre-seasons to get through a full year? For sure. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind you need at least uh, two to three if you're coming off a low base. And that's as much not to necessarily to have the endurance to get through a game, but it's more to get through a season and back up week after week. And we've got a pretty young list here at the Crows and... And certainly we found last year that, that uh, guys could get through a game, no problem, and we're uh, you know, running really, really well. But at different times of the year, different players just weren't, didn't have that body resilience um, to, to back up week after week, especially in these months where it gets a bit copper and wetter and a bit heavier um, to do that. Darren, I'm quite interested in your stints overseas. You've, you've been with Liverpool, you've been with Arsenal's uh, strong sort of uh, EPL clubs. Uh, how different is a soccer player to an AFL player? Do you have to change the way you, you train with these athletes? Certainly the principles of training are the same, you know, in terms of overload and periodisation and, um, uh, you know, tapering and things like that. So the principles are the same, but certainly the qualities. You always start with the sport, and the sport of soccer doesn't have the endurance requirements that, that AFL does, and it doesn't have the sort of upper body strength requirements of our sport. It's more uh, agility, reactive agility, rate of force development, and, and you know, sort of 10 metre speed and acceleration. Um, so they're the things that you want to um, preserve or enhance depending on the person. Um, that, that's the main difference, the, you know, the agility of our most agile players. So that, you know, for our club, that might be Isaac Rankin or for the Ds, it might be Cosy Pickett. They're probably, you know, pretty average compared to a really high-level Premier League footballer from an agility point of view. Oh, right, eh? there you go. We've got something to work on for Cosy. Um, <laughs> tell us... Didn't do too much work, Cos. <laughs> didn't look like on Friday night, that's for sure. Uh, Tell us some um, hamstring injuries. Um, you would have had them in soccer as well, but also uh, here. I mean, you're obviously not at Melbourne at the moment, but one of the players there, Clayton Oliver, who obviously you know very well, um, has has done his hamstring. And it looks like, uh, you know, from the outside that it hasn't been handled that well. Um, what, do you know, what do you know of hamstrings and um, how, do you, how, do you, how would this be fixed? Or, I mean, not fixed, but how... how how can we prevent this? 
Yeah, I once heard a talk 15 years ago about the correlation between hamstrings and earthquakes, um, which was sort of uh, indicative of the fact that you can do all the prevention work you, you can in the world, but sometimes they just happen. So um, it's hard for me to comment. Uh, what I do know is there's some really good people at the D's that are, um, you know, outstanding practitioners. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, once you do a first hamstring injury, which evidently he did, I think, in the Port Adelaide game over here in Adelaide, you're at a massively increased risk from doing it again. Um, and I understand he had, you know, some time from an infection in hospital, which is about the worst thing that can happen when you're rehabbing from injury because you need sort of consistent exposure in order to to sort of get the hamstring strong again. So spending five or six days in hospital or whatever he did would have absolutely been the worst thing uh, that could happen at that time. And so you're always a little bit behind the eight ball. How do you prevent them? Um, You get the thing really, really strong and get it used to running quickly um, in the first place, but they're still going to happen. They're happening throughout the league with all of our technology and all of our sort of enhanced knowledge hamstring rates have not gone down at all in soccer or in um, in AFL. So uh, the game's gone quicker, so that might be a factor as well. Um, but they're happening throughout the league and uh, it's just that this one was, I guess, a little bit more public. Darren, with your experience sort of worldwide and also here, what, what in your career has been probably the most bizarre uh, exercise or plan you've put in place for someone to go and do or have you, you know, any starvation theories or anything like that? What's the most bizarre thing you've come up with and or seen come up with? Uh, I've had some weird ones, there's no doubt about that. Um, over in in the uh, Premier League, you know, when you get people from very different cultures and different habits and training techniques, I've had uh, players, personal trainers come in and put batteries on players' tongues. I've had them uh, rub uh, cow's milk and colostrum into into injured areas. Uh, the Germans are very fond of rubbing cheese into soft tissue injured areas. So, oh, that's what's happening uh, with Clary. <laughs> I, could, I could write a book. I, I promise you there's some very weird things. I won't name names, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been exposed to, to some bizarre techniques. And you know what? You know, some of them that I thought were bizarre, none of those that I, I just mentioned then, but in lucky enough to travel around a bit, you sort of think that the Aussies and the sort of Western world have got it covered, but then you head to South America and parts of Asia and realise that, um, yeah, there are some different techniques and some you employ and some you don't. <laughs> and are, are, you, are you working on, like, anything outside of... I suppose you couldn't tell us anyway, but uh, have you got your eyes sort of open all the time to, to new ideas like that? Well and truly, you know, I just had a conversation today with, with someone who's completely outside of, you know, sport in the military about some of the things that they're doing, looking at sleep and, um, you know, assessing sleep of firefighters and uh, of, uh, of jet fighters, I'm sorry, and um, just seeing how they, um, you know, try and enhance sleep and alertness in, in those guys when it's not life and death. And so, you know, you can always take something for our, for our guys and girls at the Crows and, and, and other people that I'm working with. Well, that's why you could write a book. We'd uh, we'd love to hear all those insiders. You've, you've got a book out there, don't you? Surely by now. <laughs> Maybe at some point, but while I'm still actually working, once I get sacked from you know my last club, then I might do it. We we do know a good sport author, don't we, Joel? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, tell us uh, what about blocks of training, Darren? I mean, uh, just 
just interested to know, I mean, you hear all the time that, you know, a team is going through a hard block of training um, during the season and to get themselves right for the end. Do you subscribe to that or, or is that a myth? Uh, it, it is a little bit of a myth, um, in my opinion. Other teams might do it, but it is a little bit of a myth. And, and what I mean by that is, unless you're, you know, even if you're Collingwood right at the moment, coming into six or seven weeks out at the finals, they're obviously going to make it. They're clearly going to be in the top two. Um, so they might be able to take a few risks with a few players. But let's say you're, um, you're Port Adelaide sitting in second spot and you decide that in order to get ready for the finals, we're going to go through a three or four week block of training. And because you do that, um, you lose Butters, Rosie and Horn Francis to injury because you're exposing them to an unusually high amount of training. Um, I, would, I, would, I would much rather go into the finals you know, running at 95% fitness rather than 100% fitness and having those three fit. So it's a real delicate balance. I, I think you can certainly do it with individual players who might have missed through injury and you might be able to take a few risks with them and then manage their game time. But it's very, very hard to do it with a whole squad. So I, I, I'm not sure that I'd be taking that risk. And I certainly haven't been with clubs in the past. Certainly with individuals, yes. But even when we were with the D's um, fighting for sort of top one or two, we couldn't really afford to do that because we never got guaranteed sort of top two until the last last kick of the last round with Max down at, down at Geelong. Darren, you talk about um, training throughout the season. We saw over the weekend um, Scott Penderbury was subbed out midway through the game, which is sort of unique and it was talked about in the media a little bit. Can you give an insight into what Collingwood are doing through resting players? Yeah, I guess Collingwood um, and Geelong, without knowing what, what but historically, certainly last year, Geelong did that and managed a few of their senior players. And oh, I don't know what they do, and um, but clearly it worked for Geelong. Um, what you, what most clubs do is they monitor players from a fatigue point of view, from a training load point of view, and, and test players during the week with a, a sort of suite of um, tests that are that are fairly. Um, you know, they're fairly benign in terms of the demand on the player, but they can tell us how a player's fatigue level is, um, their readiness to train, readiness to play. And, you know, someone like Pendlebury is flagging on one or two of those tests. They might say, right, if we get an opportunity to be to be winning this week, um, we might try and take him out and give him a, a bit of a chop out. And, and that's what you do. Or, or he may have been carrying some sort of minor niggle and was good enough to play, but they decided it's not worth the risk once they're... You know, 40 or 50 points up, which is which is pretty smart, really. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. And where there are, you're right. Uh, and now, just on the Eagles, I know again, you not don't work there. You probably don't know everything. or don't know anything, but gee, their injury list, and you'd, you'd almost, I don't know. Would you would you like that, considering that you got so much to work with, or is that just a horrible situation to have all these injuries? Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible situation, and it's probably. Uh, I appreciate you asking the question because not enough um, media commentary go to you know alleged experts in this field, but they just keep continuing to comment. What I know about the high performance coach there is he was there when they won a flag and when they were you know top four for all that time. So clearly he knows what he's doing. But through certain circumstances, he's had a lot of injuries that, that might not be all he's doing. They might be, but I doubt it, knowing him. And then what happens is you're trying to get these people back in hasten time. 
Um, so you do cut a few corners to get them back to, to play games because your injury list is so bad and there's pressure coming from everywhere. So it's just a perfect storm. And a lot of the injuries originally were, were contact injuries, collision injuries that you can't control. And then, you know, if you get a guy back one week before he should because you've got no one else to play that position, you know, the demands of the game are such that you're putting that player at risk, but the whole club calculates that risk. So it's, it is a perfect storm. Would I like to go there? No chance because the training history in the last couple of years is, is um, yeah, is not great. So you would need a fair bit of time to build that resilience back up. That's not, uh, I'm being a bit cheeky saying no chance, but that would be the task. Um, you They've got a lot of money, West Coast. What I know of their footy club, they've got a lot of money. So uh, they might be throwing the checkbook uh, around uh, if you're interested. <laughs> no, I'm very happy here in Adelaide and, and uh, in the city and the, and the Crows. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, Bujo, we might leave it there, mate. Uh, it's great to catch up again, uh, obviously, this weekend with uh, you playing against the Dees uh, in the Burgess Cup. I know we rattled through other Adelaide-Melbourne types, but uh, it's clearly you because none of them have won a premiership like you did at Melbourne. Um, <laughs> But uh, first of all, you're looking forward to for that game and catching up with some of the players and you know your people you used to you know manage. Uh, to be honest, I'm not looking forward to it. It's um, because I, I built a pretty good bond with most of those players because we had the hub firstly and then the premiership experience. And so you never look, you look forward to being on on opposition teams. And I'm really close with Goody and Greg Stafford there, so not looking forward to it. But um, it'll be looking forward to catching up with them, albeit briefly before the game. Fantastic. You might, I might lean over the fence as well, I'll be there, mate, and uh, just say hello if, if you're in the area. No worries. Look forward to it. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, we'll leave it there, mate. Hey, thanks again. I uh, really appreciate it. No worries. Anytime, guys. <laughs> thanks, sir. Darren Burgess there, uh, Adelaide uh, Performance Manager.